jeans, 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 who should I, uh, let me tell you real quick before we... This song for Joey Diaz. It was sent by uh, Matthew Hancock. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for wearing them high. <laughs> uh, Chicago Jeans, July 11th through 14th. I'm going to be at your Chicago Improv. Wear your jeans high. Come to see me. <laughs> and then July 18th through 21st, Columbus, Funny Bone, Columbus, Ohio. Also a great location to wear your denim as high and tight as you possibly can. Ooh, I like that. July 27th, Uptown Theater in Napa, California. That's just a one-nighter kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at for July. What about you, James? That's what's up. That's that's what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up. Uh, my, my greatest and largest and heaviest apologies to Minneapolis. Um, some things came up mm. in, um, you know, this is the biz. Mm. You know how it is. Mm. Showbiz and whatnot. It's showbiz. President of show business called me <laughs> and I uh, had to rearrange some things. So show I apologize. Biz. You know, I love you, Minneapolis. Um, I love Acme. I just can't, couldn't make it. So I'm sorry. Uh, I had to cancel. Um, so here's where I'll be, though, um, next few weeks. Uh, July 5th, 6th, and 7th. Just a few dates. I will be at the West Palm Beach Improv. Or July 5th through 7th. Oh, that's that's another way of saying it. What did I say? July 5th, yeah. July 6th, July 7th. Is that July how I said 5th, it? 5th, 6th, 7th. Yeah. That's like me being like July 11th. But you're making it sound like I said... July 12th, July 13th, July 5th, July 6th, July 7th. You kind of did. All right. July 5th through 7th, Palm Beach Improv. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh... July 11 through 14, um, Hartford Funny Bone. Yeah. And then July 18 through 21, Toledo Funny Bone. Yeah. So that's where I'll, that's where I'll, that's where I'll, that's where I'll be the next few weeks. So come see me. We're both rocking out Ohio this month, dude. I'm in Columbus. You're in Toledo. That's my home state, man. Oh, and guess what? Pretty soon. Not right now, but pretty soon we'll be announcing the next two cities that we're going to go to. <laughs> the, uh, the contracts are being signed, oh. and we're very excited to announce where we'll be going. What cities could it be, Gene? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, we'll see. But we're going to do the podcast live. Crazy. In your face. Can you believe the, the risks we'll be taking? Yeah. Blue Band could be making so many Blue mistakes. Blue Band could fuck shit up. <laughs> it's going to be so... Crazy. It will be crazy. Um, so there is that, and that's that's great news. So let's tell people what's up oh with this, this episode. Can I just first of all Yeah. We recorded this episode what a week, two weeks ago before yeah. we left. Uh-huh. I've been thinking about it ever since. Really? Yeah. And I've been honestly mm-hmm. dreading it. Really? Dreading it, not wanting to drop it. I considered seriously coming to you and being like okay we got to take stuff out because i had what is known i don't know if you saw the episode on super soul sunday with dr Brene brown Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she gave a talk a ted talk on vulnerability and it blew up and i saw her talking to oprah and she said that after she posted that video she had what is known as a vulnerability hangover 
where she was like, oh my God, have I shared too much? And I had the exact thing. I woke up the next day and I thought, my God, have I shared too much? Yeah, and I got to tell you, I honestly do not think that you did. I think you were very, you're open and vulnerable and honest, but as somebody who was in the room, because I felt like you and Greg had a special connection in this episode. We do. I was so hooked on just the conversation. Like, I was so hooked. Here's what, just, so okay, I we got to get to the episode. Something? Honestly, yeah. I'm, I'm a little embarrassed. I don't think you For my overshare, be. I'm a little mortified. Uh, Fitzsimmons, let's admit it, came in here. Yeah. And he had his way with our show. He did. We, here's, we got to tell him this. <laughs> we just did dates now because we never did dates. We didn't get to anything. We didn't do sponsors. No. We didn't do clips. <laughs> and we didn't even do our show open. No. We didn't do any of it. No. Fitzsimmons came in here. No. And he... He... he no, he 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 derailed. No, and but sabotaged. He did. He quietly ended up taking this show into a really engaging and interesting place. Yes, and he did it like a like a absolute pro. I feel like he seduced us. Most definitely, and he gave us some drinks. Yep, and then like an hour later, I came out of the room and I was like, I can't find my panties. Yep, and then he was like, Oh, you left them. He over did. here by the bathtub. I, I, that's exactly how I feel. Yep. That's yep. exactly how I pro. feel. Greg um, is a, a phenomenal comic. Um, if you're not familiar with Greg Fitzsimmons, you should absolutely check out everything he does. Um, I think we pretty much cover it um, on this episode, like everywhere that you can you can find him. But, you know, he has... Um, Go to his website, gregfitzsimmons.com. You can go check out Fitzdog Radio. He uh, he also does a XM Sirius um, show, but he has a podcast. He does live he dates. He has a book. Did Stern a lot? Oh yeah, yeah, dear Mrs. Fitzsimmons, I think it was called right. It's like um, it's like all the uh, the notes that his teachers wrote about him being bad and his bad report cards and stuff. It's pretty funny. Yeah, um, really funny, really talented guy. You're it's like all him. at his site. Go to gregfitzsimmons.com, F I T Z S I M M O N S dot com. It's a great episode. It's so unlike any episode that we normally do. That's what's um, that's what's unique about it, and that's why we are actually introducing this episode. <sighs> Mortified. I am mortified. Don't be mortified. Friday, uh, we will be back. Dreading this. We will be back on Friday with a very jeansy recap <laughs> of our Dominican week. You guys have no idea what it's happened. So exciting! I'm, I, we can't wait to. So come back on Friday, and we'll have <laughs> so a lot of new share. stuff. So much to share. Can I tell you that I haven't had a Dominican shit yet? And I had some poop soup, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm anticipating a Dominican blowout tonight. Well, you'll get the full scoop on Friday. <laughs> so Friday's episode will be the the uh, the, the episode the, you've been waiting for. The but right now. Episode. Right now, um, buckle up for this very special episode God. with Greg Fitzsimmons. Here's the show open that we never played during the show. Enjoy the show. This is big time. Who is Randy? Don't bring anyone mother to this. Your mom in the fucking stand. Welcome. Welcome to your mom's house with Tom Segura. Tom Segura. And 
Christina Pajitsin. Yeah, I feel oh, like uh, the pressure's yeah. on. Right, right. I am just. I can't tell you how many judgments I've made in the last already? five minutes. Well, you already were like, "Don't wow. you want to save this for the show?" Well, I always feel like when I do a wow. podcast, I always regret that I wasn't recording as soon as the person sat down. Yeah, I feel like that's right. always like the uh, natural start. Mm-hmm. The greatest is when somebody. We're gonna walks do it again. In. We're gonna talk more about it. What we're recording? No, we're not. Yeah, we are. You didn't tell me that. Well, shit, man. No, erase that. You can't use that. Okay, hold on. Mm. I'll start over. I'm just kidding. He's so unprofessional. I erased it. <laughs> um, no, when people come in and gossip, and you're like, whoa, 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 yeah, 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 they yeah, name yeah, yeah. names. Let me see this one second. One second. Keep, well, keep ju- saying what you're saying. And, and oh, when you don't tell them the podcast started. That uh, see, I always thought that would be a great move is is to just really to do that. It is the best move. Yeah. The thing is that, like, like let's say you would come in and you're like, you know, it was a, like a piece of shit, and we were recording, and or whatever, what type, whatever type of gossip, it would be so great. But at the same time, even if I, I mean, didn't know you didn't, I would feel like such an asshole if I. Well, I mean, who would do your podcast? After? Well, yeah, of right. course, yeah, no yeah. Trust but it would be anymore. one really great one, podcast. <laughs> and I get eight hundred thousand downloads an episode. I mean, I like right episode. now, you've got champagne out. You guys are. Right. You're celebrating the end of doing a bunch of podcasts. Right. And who knows, maybe forever, and maybe this is the one. You go like, you know what? Nobody knows this is our last one except us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're going to pull every cheap trick. Mm-hmm. We are going to pull out naked photos of Greg as a boy. We're going to yes. make him cry. Oh, like yes. That. Oh, speaking of that, um, what was that? I, see, this just Jesus. popped in my head. I'm picturing, I don't like where this is going. I'm picturing you as a boy, a young boy, and uh, you wrote a book. Where you, wasn't it Letters? Like yeah, when I used to get in trouble a lot as a kid, so I my it turned out I found out when I was an adult that my mother I found a box in my aunt's basement in the Bronx with all the letters and report cards of me being in trouble my whole life, police reports, what um, art clippings from the newspaper of when I'd been arrested, Jesus. and it was it was like this hall of fame of me fucking up. That's wow. amazing. What did you get arrested for? Uh, a few times for fighting assault mm. with a deadly weapon. Uh, assault with a deadly weapon for real, wow. right? Wow. Who are you fighting? This uh, bunch of black guys. I fought with black people as well. I was just kidding. I want to see if you were racist. (laughs) Totally am. They are animals. (laughs) Well, when I say fight, I mean, I had a bat. (laughs) Right. And they were just talking. They were being black. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. That's what... No, it was um, bar fights, underage bar fights, and then when I was in college, it was another one. I'm so scared of him now. I'm so much more, I'm more afraid of him. There's a real intimidation factor with Greg. Well, first of all, because we have respect for him as an elder comic. Elder, what the fuck? He's so much older and wise. You don't You didn't, you were not, you are so fucking, you're doing it. It's the last (laughs) podcast and you called me old? No, it's just that you don't understand. 
as look the, at you in the ranking in the ranking other. of comedy oh, world god you i are, hated that you just said that but here's the you're thing. so old and so it's like when decrepit. somebody when when the young comics treat you like you're like you're a legend well, you're just like oh that means that i am i'm not in the present tense to you any longer no, no it's not absolutely that at all. not oh. no, it's just not that most people aren't old as fuck that come right here. right so like you know what i mean like somebody comes in and we're like look how old this well, dude is it's, right it's and, really inspiring no and to, and to me to feel like i'm working with people who don't get experienced guests you know it's nice to know that i'm bringing any kind of uh validation to your Thank what's you. the show called <laughs> right yeah right yeah, no, see, so, and uh, uh, this is, is, is well, called the podcast. And I would so. say you're probably the most responsible human being to sit on the end of that mic. Like, none of our friends have, you have two kids, right? Right. And like a wife and a mortgage. Like, you're definitely above the scale of people we normally have sitting there. So, I, I guess for comedians, I'm pretty responsible, huh? You're kind of an anomaly, <laughs> right? Yeah, I'd say. I know, but there's a bunch of us, though. There's a bunch of us with kids. I mean, Rogan. Rogan's a yeah, you know, yep, loving yep. dad and yep. uh, two kids. Pat and Oswald's out there with was he got one or two? I think kids? he's got one. One he's kid. Got one. Well, Very you know, doting father. Yeah, absolutely. A, you know, but he's not really ready. Yeah. For that second, the second one is really where I start giving you respect. Really? Yeah. The oh, wow. one one kid that could just be you were you were tired of having abortions. Well, how do you view? <laughs> it doesn't mean you wanted it. <laughs> how do you view a Gaffigan mm. who has five? Oh my life. He's amazing. And not only that, but we used to live in the same neighborhood in Little Italy mm-hmm. together for when we were both struggling, starting out. Yeah. And we lived in shitty, rundown tenement apartments. And uh, we would eat at this place, Bella's, in the morning. We'd see each other just, you know, going to commercial auditions and trying to get in at the comedy cellar. And he's still got that apartment. Is that where he lives? What? Like right well, now? he's got a place. I think they, I shouldn't out him about With where he lives, kids? but, but uh, no, I think they bought. The place next door, or whatever. But he's, okay. he's on the same block. Okay. Well, know? no, I just I I kept hearing like I, I've only met him once, but I kept hearing about you know every year a, a new kid, and then everyone always talking about living in this one apartment. I'm like, damn, dude, how do you how are you doing seven people in the apartment you've lived in that long? Right. Like, sounds pretty. I think Tom Papa does that also. Really? I think they they have an apartment downtown, and he has two or three I kids. Think he's got two or three. So that's when it's, you're a man, is when you start having multiples. multiples. I think so. I think that, um, you know, I don't think it's a good idea to have one child. We all know only children. And they're. <coughs> they're... Go ahead. Sorry, I was, I was listening to you, elder. Maybe it's different now with the younger <laughs> only children. Maybe you're not stuck up, self-centered, mm. overly doted on, precious, Definitely neurotic not, people. Definitely not, dude. My parents Because it were... used to be with, with the older people. No. My parents are Eastern Bloc, a Hungarian escape from communism. My dad's a forklift mechanic. My mother, a mentally ill lunatic. I was definitely not doted Escape on. from com- from Hungary? Yeah. In 1969, wow. they escaped. Wow. So they they're very hard Prague knocks. Prague Spring. The Russian <laughs> tanks rolled in. Right. I was Czechoslovakia. You, I was just checking on you. Can I ask you, how did you go from hate crimes, beating up black people in the streets, to being like a normal human that we see today? How did that I happen? was always normal. I mean, I had a, my, my father was in radio my whole life, so he was like a pretty big celebrity in New York. Really? He was like one of the top radio announcers in New York really? City my whole life. Yeah. No so we shit. had, you know, we would walk, we'd go to all the best restaurants. It was like Mad Men. We'd go to like the best restaurants and... Uh, there was a lot of drinking, and my parents were out probably four or five nights a week. It was very social. We were out a lot, and um, but at the same time, we were very, you know, very family centric. You know, my 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 
parents felt very strongly about us and how they raised us. And, um, you know, we were raised Irish Catholic for better or worse. It definitely made you Catholic. Good. Yeah. I we think approve. It, it makes you fairly conventional. And, yeah. um, and I think you have a, a, a pretty strong compass built into you from a young age. So to me, having a family was always just, um, it was just a given. Yeah. And I, I yeah. think that it's probably not as much about responsibility as I think you're, you're grown, you, you're, you're brought up like you see, I don't know Gaffigan's deal, but I bet he had a bunch of siblings because probably. usually people that have a lot of kids came from that and they want to replicate it. Sure. And I think that a lot of people, if they don't have uh, kids, they probably maybe had divorced parents or, um, yeah. you know, have some kind of fear of, uh, oh, you guys are having issues with that? No, no. No, I have divorced parents, and I am so afraid of having kids because yeah. of that. But I see a shrink every week. Yeah. I really work it out. Like I see a really good psychotherapist, and like I'm over it. I think you know. Are you ever over it, or do yeah. you work with it? Um, I get over. You get over your story. Actually, I do find like the more I tell the story of yeah. what happened to you or your life, whatever, you become more and more detached from the emotional charge of it. So, yeah. Do you find in therapy there's certain, like, um, flashpoints? Is there images that you <laughs> had to deal with versus the overall narrative of your parents breaking up? <laughs> Flashes? You mean, like, instances that I have yeah, to get like, over? Yeah, like, you know, the, the time they told you they were leaving yes, each other. Yes, or, yes, yes, like, yes. Is that, is that where the work is? Um, I guess, yeah, because that's what you're dealing with, are distinct memories of stuff. So, yeah, like, I do remember one of my first memories is my father putting me up on the kitchen counter when I was four years old and explaining to me mom and dad are getting a divorce. So, you know, you start with that and you kind of... That's really... I didn't even know that was one of your... Really? Uh, I never told you that? No. One of my early... Yeah, definitely... Yeah. I so mean, why did he tell you versus them telling you together? I felt like that uh, would be a healthier way to do it. That would be right. That would be. When did when? <laughs> so you had you had it all out with him, and then <laughs> then when? How much later did you talk to your mom about it? Oh, uh, I don't I don't remember. I was four, so I don't I don't really remember the chain events. You only remember your that dog just farted. Stuff. By the way, very intensely. Oh Holy yeah, shit. Holy I know. shit. That was nasty. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. if it was mild, I would have kept my mouth shut, thinking it was one of you. Yeah. But you would not have done that to me. No, because he's been his diet's been pretty treat heavy. Last yeah. couple of days, we're he's enjoying him. It. He's getting in there right and now, and now he's licking his asshole. This yeah. is great. I'm glad I made it down to Redondo. <laughs> this has really been a great experience. Um, oh my God! No, but getting back to your parents. Oh no. What? Who did you live with then? You your know mom? what? Honestly, it's not so much divorce that fucks kids up, in my opinion. It's how the parents treat each other and talk about each other to your to the kid. Right. It's not so much. It's not the separation. It's just how you guys deal with it. Yeah, I've seen a lot of really well adjusted divorce kids now. Like my my kids, like his best friend, their parents split up, and it sounds so corny, but like they really are like best friends. They put the welfare of the two kids ahead of their petty go. fights, and they. They, you know, they each remarried. They were at each other's weddings. And, and I know for some people it's go. more difficult to maintain that. But for God's sakes, put the kids first. Would, if you find yourself bad-mouthing your spouse to your kid, yes. get your shit together. That's the problem. You know? That's right. Right. That's exactly the issue, yeah. Look who came here. So who do you yeah. side with more now as an adult? Uh, oh, my father completely. Because my mom was such a nutbag that I kind of understand the split. You know what I mean? Like when you say crazy, like... Legit uh, cray-cray. Chemical borderline. imbalance. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. How would that. you diagnose her? Uh, borderline. Oh no! Schizophrenic. Yeah. They say that's the worst. Yeah. 
It's pretty bad. <laughs> Do you say, think it's the worst? Yeah, I know somebody who's borderline, and what's difficult is that there is a complete denial yes, of anything. That's a problem. Well, the problem uh, is not part. just the it's denial. It's always about that's you. It's it, not, that's right. So you internalize all their shit as your shit until you work it out. With they're shrink. also incapable of, of change. Ignore. Yeah. So they cannot just, think. Never. Shrinks have told me if never. they're, they, I, I know one friend of shrink will not see borderline patients because really? they are incapable of any real change. I know it's terrible because they, because it's, it's so a, it's awful. a, it's, it's got the symptoms of bipolar in the sense yes. that they can get manic, they can get depressed. Yes. They can be aloof. But the difference is, uh, a bipolar person doesn't put you on a huge pedestal yeah. and then rip you down and fucking stomp on you. And then hence why I love being a stand-up comedian, why that feels so great, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Because your yeah. very worth is contingent on how you're going to do tonight out right. there. Today could be great, tomorrow not so great. Do they love right. me? Do they hate me? Do they... So it feels really good. Because at Showbiz. this moment, if you can get them, then right. it's good and it doesn't matter because tomorrow right. morning, it's going to be a different person anyway. Right. It's going to be a right. new show. right. Wow. Yeah. So So has she sought yeah. treatment at all? No. So this is just your armchair diagnosis of her. This is through yes. me being um seeing a psychotherapist for years and my psychotherapist hearing my stories and my psychotherapist being So like, nobody firsthand has ever diagnosed her. It's no, it's not possible. It's not possible. She's no, it's so not. gone. Right. Like she won't even leave her house now. Like she's housebound. She won't use the telephone. She writes me cryptic letters in the mail because now email's not safe for her. So yeah. like it's pretty obvious. If you read, what well, she if you've read the newspaper, nutty. she's right. <laughs> Is that yeah. right? Turns out the yeah. crazy people are yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah. What do you say? Well, it turns out that the uh, NSA is collecting information. I on did everything. see. That's yeah. right. So how does she Shit. pay the rent? Uh, that I don't know. I know that she has like money from a divorce settlement. So with your father or a second negative guy? second guy. Yeah. Okay. So I think she's cared for financially. So that's why I'm not like racked with guilt over like oh, I don't take care. Does of she her. have people around her? I don't think so. I oh, think, you're not really in touch with no, her. No, there are people that care for her, like that are, you know, caretakers, caregivers, but I don't know. What's it like, like on Mother's Day? Do you feel, does it, does <laughs> this it, is do so you get awful, sad? Greg. Um, I did, yeah, for the first few years. This Mother's Day, however, like nothing. I All didn't right. feel shit. Now, talk to me on a day where she tries to contact me. Like, this is the craziest thing she did. I don't think I've talked about this, but she sent me a letter to, an improv like I'm sitting in the green room first year of first week of January I'm at the improv in Kansas City and the manager's like oh this came in the mail for you and I'm like oh what could this possibly be a fan mail maybe some you know neat thing I open it and it's like a cryptic crazy letter so of course I'm like in the green room like that kind of stuff is what tears me that's what's great about the manager at the Kansas City improv (laughs) let me hand you this prior to you going on right right yeah Yeah, they're really on top of it well he didn't know So anyway, but what what he made knew. you crazy? You think? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is gonna fuck with you. Here you go. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, so so that yeah, that's nice. So you, it is. I hate to tell you, but it is genetic. Yeah. Do you feel? You ever feel traces of it? <laughs> of which part? The borderline? Yeah. Um, yeah, in the beginning, I was like, when I first went in, I was like, whoa, whoa. I see myself reacting to people in s- certain situations the way that she did. And that's why I'm, I like actively work to not do that. But I mean, I have a healthy relationship, I have healthy friendships and marriage, so I don't think that I'm her. Yeah. So, at Tom, all. do you ever get do you ever get paranoid that she's going to end up like that? Because your yeah. mother probably wasn't like that when you were younger, right? She was. She, she was always, always crazy. Was. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I don't. Um, 
I don't worry about it in that sense. Um, you know, I mean, her reactions are pretty normal on the scale of, you know, human behavior. Right. So from... <laughs> for no, female, female human behavior. Yeah, for female human behavior. I mean, you know, I've been around a lot of females and she lines up with the way they act, you know. So, I, no, it's never been That's like, such a nice compliment. Yeah. I've been yeah. around other female yeah. humans and she behaves uh, in, in yeah. line. No, I'm with just saying, the, like, it yeah, doesn't, it I doesn't you know. I, yeah. Yeah, I don't fear my own sanity. No, Good. Insanity. Good. I don't. I think I'm. But okay, you go to man. a shrink to deal I with do. the past, not, not the what future. What about you? Do you, go, do you see a shrink? Oh, yeah. You do? Oh, well, Long time? Here we go. Not currently, but I just finished a nice run. I, I'll go for a run with a shrink. When I get, um, I have depression that mm-hmm. I medicate. Mm-hmm. My family has it. My dad had it really bad. We have a lot of alcoholism in the family, mm-hmm. everybody, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of depression. It's very Irish. We, we're a classic and Irish. also genetic. Totally. That's something that, that you know. Oh right, yeah. right, right, right. So you're on medicine now for it, right? What do you take? Uh, I don't like. I don't choose to discuss my medication because okay. when people listen, okay. I don't want people to say, "Well, hey, this works for Greg Fitzsimmons, yeah. so I'm going to yeah. borrow oh, this you, from my you. friend." I say, no. if you feel like you need help, go to a psychopharmacologist and get, you yeah. know, get evaluated, and you'll end up tweaking it, and you'll f- there's help. You can find the right thing, but don't don't experiment. But um, and I exercise. I work out every day. That's the that biggest helps. thing. That See, helps. Tommy I told you. A lot, yeah. yeah. What do you do? Well, I I've done a bunch of different things, but like, you're not uh, in shape. <laughs> right. <laughs> I started going to CrossFit this uh, wow. thing, um, and it's extremely difficult, obviously. And uh, but what I was complaining about was that I said I haven't been in two weeks because of circumstances and how shitty I'm feeling. Yeah. And um, like I just you know for one like either I'm out of town or I'm in town and I'm doing something while class is going on, and when I'm free, there's no class. I can still do other things, but I'm saying that like I haven't been there in a couple of weeks. And well, uh, is it hard because cross training is so intense that you or CrossFit that you feel like you can't do something else? You have to just do that. It, I do feel like there's not a substitute for it, right? Um, and like on the road, I'll, in, in hotels, I'll I'll work out, but like and I'll try to mimic things from from the CrossFit class, even though I know I'm not doing anything close to that. But what I do find is whether it's CrossFit or just basic gym stuff, anything, I do find that when um, when I'm you know not doing something active for a couple days in a row, uh, I definitely feel it affect my mood and my you know just overall happiness. Where does it hit you late in the afternoon? Um, That's when it hits me if I'm not exercising. Yeah, I just you know I feel like I get grumpier and um, I don't sleep as well. Definitely don't sleep as well. So I'll be like, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, and then. You know, oddly enough, when I work out a lot, I feel more rested. You know, it's amazing, isn't it? The human condition that we know that X equals yeah. Y. If yeah. I work out, I'm going to sleep. I'm going to eat better foods. I'm going to be in a better mood. I'll get more done. And then somehow you don't. Fu- and I and I've, I worked out. I've been working out a lot lately. And then I'll go a couple months. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I get. Four o'clock, four thirty rolls around, and I feel like I have glass coursing through my veins. Like yeah. everything hurts, yeah. and I'm depressed, and I can't, I can't engage with my kids in oh, any real really way. And then, I, and then I start working out, and in one day, I go, "Holy shit, that's all I had to do." Mm. And yeah. we don't. And the human condition is that we don't do that. If I know, if I no. eat lunch at twelve thirty, I'm not going to crash later in the day. Of all of a sudden, it's fucking three o'clock. Of I didn't course. eat. And I'm miserable for the rest of the night. 
Order your alcohol with DoorDash today and drink in the savings. Use code YMH24 to get 25% off, up to $15 value on a $35 minimum subtotal on your next alcohol order for eligible users only. The alcohol selection on DoorDash is top shelf. With thousands of stores all over the country, you're sure to find what you're looking for and more. Beer, wine, mixers, mocktails, and more can be delivered straight to your door. Save up to 25% off, up to $15 value when you spend $35 or more with code YMH24. So whether you're grabbing drinks for an event or staying in for the night, DoorDash is here to help you have a great evening any evening. Terms apply. Must be 21 or older to order alcohol, drink responsibly, delivery and promotions available only in select markets. Buying someone jewelry is usually a great experience all around. They get a beautiful gift and you get the unforgettable moment of seeing the look on their face when they open it. The only tricky part, figuring out how to get the perfect piece at the best price. This is what I recommend for any jewelry purchase. Source it from BlueNile.com. Blue Nile offers thousands of independently graded diamonds and fine jewelry at prices significantly below traditional retail. They also offer peace of mind with every purchase with some of the highest quality standards in the industry. They're available 24-7 by phone or chat to answer technical questions and give recommendations for every budget. I know it can be overwhelming. I've been in that position. And what you want when you're getting into something like jewelry is an expert to help guide you along the way. You can feel great about your purchase because Blue Nile also offers a diamond price match guarantee. And just in case you're not satisfied, there's 30-day returns. Shop Blue Nile today and experience the ease and convenience of the original online jeweler. Go to BlueNile.com today. That's BlueNile.com. Now, wait, when when did your depression start? Oh, I, I can't remember not having it. Really? I, I struggle with it every day. Since you were like little, little, little? Like yeah, I was a loner. Oh. I read a lot. And I, um, I, always had, I was always somebody who had a lot of really good friends, but needed a lot of time away from people. Like they overwhelmed you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I needed this space where I didn't, I couldn't let anyone see how I really was. Even mm. now, I, I, you know, and I think stand-up is similar. You put out this front of, um, you know, I'm the most happy-go-lucky, in-control, right. fun guy, and then I get off stage, and most nights I beeline to the hotel. <laughs> yeah, I do so not do want to see a human being after the show. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so... So I think for me, it's, it's when you say you've gotten over a lot of your stuff, like, mm-hmm. I guess for me, maybe because it's not trauma as much as it's just built into the hard drive. If for me, it's like, I'll never get over it. It's something that I have to learn to live with. I see. So you, I see what you're saying. So it wasn't something mom and dad did. Well, they it beat me. Did they I got really? beat a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that didn't help from, things. Right. <laughs> Right. That didn't that didn't put a little bounce in my step. Yeah, that didn't make me embrace uh, authority Beat. figures very well. Like, sure. Beat the you know. sadness out of you. Right, that's the Eastern Bloc method. Yeah, right. Well, I was very depressed too, from like twelve to twenty one. I was goth Ooh. and I was like angry and all that. So horn it. No, no, actually, no, because my problems were with my mother, not my father. Okay. So I wasn't looking to spite dad. Mm-hmm. I hated my mother. So I was more about rebelling. I had a mohawk. I shaved my head. I was what music were you listening to? Punk and goth. A lot of punk. I don't know how old you are. So give 36. me the year. 36. I'll be 37. 36. Next week. So yeah. you were listening to like Dead Kennedys. Yeah. yeah. Circle Jerks. Right. 
crass, all mm. that uh, angry. I like that. See, stuff. I missed that shit, and now, like, I didn't listen to it at the time, and now I'm finding it because of like I have Sirius XM, and they've got the Lithium the Channel, Lithium, and they I like got that one. so much good shit, right? Right. Dark wave. I like the dark yeah, wave. Yeah, yeah. So are you a punk guy too? No, I just respond to the energy of it now. I mean, you know, I lo- I was a big Ramones fan. Yep, I love yep, the yep. Sex Pistols. But I mean, that was like first wave of punk. I missed that second wave of punk. Mm. That, because once New Wave came along, I felt like punk was over. Like yeah. I considered like Elvis Costello punk mm-hmm. and Patti Smith. And then, and then it just lost its purity when I started to see it become a fashion and people, you know, all dressing the same and a lot of the lyrics being, you know, uh, you know, just the same arcane, like, uh, uh, just saying outrageous shit for the sake of it. Whereas if you really listen to the, the sex pistols were really fucking, or, or, you know, the clash, that's actually very intelligent, you know, out there stuff. And I find that punk, like like any form of entertainment, uh, eventually gets very homogenized. Yeah, yeah, and they find a way to make a buck off of right. it, and then it sucks. Yeah, then it can come back. Like I like I'm amazed at the fact that Green Day is called punk now. That's that, that's modern. Punk. Okay, so I was right. in high school when those assholes came around, right. and I was extremely mad as a punker chick that that was considered. Even Nirvana, I was like, no, I don't buy that. And I wouldn't hate Green Day if there if the punk moniker weren't thrown around them. Now I fucking hate them. Yeah. Um, Whereas Nirvana, I felt like was such a different energy than punk. I, I I never remember them being called. punk. It was different. No, the first album, like I remember, my punker friends were like, "This is great," and I I don't know why, but I did feel like even once they played that kind of stuff on MTV, it did feel a little different. It yeah. felt a little too commercialized. Right. Right. Yeah. Anyways, so that sucks for you, and that's still your struggle. And does therapy help you at all? Like, because you're not really. What do you mean when you say a, through a stuff? run? Do you go? Does that mean you switch off to a new person? A new uh, shrink when you go on a run with a shrink? No, well, yeah, I've gone through a number of them in my life, but there's a woman that I've gone to probably in the last, I don't know, in the last seven or eight years, I've probably gone where for six months to nine months, like three times. And uh, when I wrote the book, I came pretty close to a complete nervous breakdown. It was like I was at the time, I had a, a TV, a, a sitcom deal. Mm-hmm. I had a game show deal. I was writing on the staff of a TV show. My life. I was doing my radio show, my podcast, road work, and trying to write a book oh at the same God. time with, with two kids. And uh, I got real close to the edge, man. It got dark. And I, I found this woman, thank God. And I, that's the first time I got a medication. And, you know, and it, was, um, it worked, you know. And, and she's a resource that I go to when I feel like I'm starting to. I, I'm ne- I never get near that place again. But once you've been to that place, you get scared when you start drifting even towards it. That's my problem because I, this is, this is, okay, when I was like 14, that was my lowest, lowest, lowest point of my entire life. So that's a magic number for me. And I also, when I get depressed, I'm afraid of the feelings of sadness because I'm Mm. afraid I'll go back to that subconscious or unconsciously. Because you weren't able to stop yourself then. As as a young person. Yeah. Like my parents, when I would tell them like, oh, I'm depressed. It was like, what do you got to be depressed about? This is America. Everything's great. Like they didn't, nobody knew how to help. all alone. Right. And an only child. So that compounds. So alone. Yeah, exactly. So what was your replacement for that? Where, where'd you find the intimacy? Oh, um, I was lucky enough that I had pretty cool friends, mm. just like fucked up goth. And that is funny friends. when you think of goth, you think of this in real intense closeness. There was this yeah. great movie this past year called uh, 
the um, the something of being uh, oh the wallflower wallflower. I can't even watch it because yeah. I'm too I'm too afraid of it. I saw it. That's a great yeah. movie. It I watched great. it and I cried. It's yeah, great. that's why I'm I watching. cried for fifteen minutes when it ended. My wife was like putting her arms around me, like "Holy fuck, are you?" Because I don't cry like that. But right. that movie, I know, it touched that this this intense existential isolation that kids at that age feel, and when they find mm-hmm. kids like themselves that are there. You can't touch those bonds that are mm-hmm. formed, you know, and they find this music that speaks to them and this anger. And, and so instead of being outcast for the first time in their lives, they feel part of something. I mean, like Breakfast Club was obviously the pop example my movie. of it. But yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. And it is that, and some kids get that, what you said, and then there's a lot of kids that never do, right? So that's even more isolating. So like you said, to find your own niche, mm. like even that word, that existential angst, like you don't even know what that is when you're mm. 13. You just know like, <gasps> I'm alone, profoundly alone in the world. What does this mean? It's so scary. It's so overwhelming. But then I studied philosophy in college and that really helped too. Oh, that made it worse for me. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Existentialism <laughs> sent me best. so fucking deep. Because as a Catholic, <laughs> first I find out in high school, like, all that shit that you, that you believe, guess what? I took a class yeah. in high school where they showed you where every parable in the Old Testament and New Testament you can find in previous, like, pagan texts. Like, right. it's all these archetypal stories that aren't even fresh. Yeah, I didn't even yeah. know that. I and so that I, was, I was mind-blown by that. And just as I was recovering, I get to college, and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the other paradigms in life? <laughs> Those are imaginary also. It's pretty... Disenchanted. I don't think most Catholics, especially the hardcore, I grew up very, hardcore, very yeah. Catholic upbringing, uh, even know about that. They don't even, I think a lot like my parents don't even know that mm. those stories are taken from oh, other Noah's texts. Ark, the uh, of parting of the Red Sea, yeah. Adam and Eve that. is the oldest one in the book. And also almost every Messiah was born while there was one very bright star in the sky, mm-hmm. and uh, which, of course, which is a sign of birth because it's the vernal equinox. It is the time in the spring where, day, where the North Star is the lowest and brightest in the sky. It's, it all goes back to pagan type of yeah. nature-based calendars and uh, mythologies, you know, looking at the stars. And, mm. and so there was nothing new about Jesus' birth. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, people that are listening that are Didn't still Didn't know that Do one. you um, still practice today? Are you like in religion at what, all? Catholicism? Yeah. I, no, I'm, I'm very, very curious about it. I, I still read a lot about um, Christianity, and um, I've sort of gotten into um, the Jewish. There's a book about, uh, there's a, I just listened to a book on tape with this guy that he goes through the, um, the Torah, the first what is it, eight books of the Old Testament? Mm-hmm. Five. Five, and he, he goes through them and basically uh, just breaks them down in the, in the Quentin Tarantino-esque script that it huh. really is, like the absolute terror and horror of <laughs> locusts being launched to kill people, and anybody that fucked with the state of Israel, state of Israel, the, the, uh, the people of Israel, it wasn't yeah. a state yet, right. but the Old Testament was like the U.S. It was like, nobody better fuck with yeah. Israel. Yeah. Or there were hellfires. There were entire villages that God brought hell upon. I mean, it's really, 
It's fucking vicious, the mm-hmm. Old Testament. Yes, the, old, the God of the Old Testament is a hateful, spiteful piece of shit, basically. <laughs> and then the New Testament, he's like, hey, I love everybody. Hey. Hey. Jesus great. Yeah, it's very scary. That's why when people talk about the Bible, I always say, well, which fucking Bible? Because you're talking yeah. about two very different stories and yes. two different tones. And the people that, you know, today would call themselves Christians— I mean, it's it's trite to even say it, but like they don't exemplify anything from that book. You know, the right, of course, you yeah. know, yes. helping the poor and turning oh, the other cheek and being accepted, accepting of others, right? Inclusive. Nah, he was a socialist. I mean, Jesus was right. a pure, straight up socialist, right? Of which, course. by the way, this country was also when it started. I mean, people forget now how how much the founding fathers were hell bent on trying to not replicate. Uh, these dynasties, these mm-hmm. arist- aristocratic families that could hand down land and money to their ancestors. I mean, this whole thing about the death tax where, you know, it, it's supposed to be called the estate tax. And, and there was this whole PR campaign where they started calling it the death tax, which changed the favorability rating of it from 40% approval or disapproval to like 70% disapproval because they started making people believe it was going to happen to them. Well, it's supposed to happen to rich people. It's like Thomas Jefferson fucking laid it out. It was like, if you want capitalism, I mean, and ran capitalism, a free, like, let's come up with the most cutting edge, hardcore, like, what's the next Silicon Valley? It's going to come from people that need to work for a living. right? Mm -hmm. And the people that are predisposed to be born into a wealthy family it's, is it nature or nurture that made your parents successful, that, that, that will make you successful? Well, if your parents are both rich, you got nature because yes. they're, that spooge that went into your mom Lucky. was yeah. fucking grade yeah. A stuff, <laughs> yeah, high yeah. IQ yeah. and yeah. You know, good A-type, looks. good looks. <laughs> then on top of it, you got nannies and private school sure. and European vacation. Okay, so you hit the lotto twice. Why do you get it a third time with the fucking yeah. money when he dies? Right. Can't you make it on your own with all those advantages? I say, I've been thinking about this the other day. I'm writing a blog about it. 100% estate tax. Mm. No income tax. Whatever you make, you have fun with that shit. Because when you spend it, what happens? Goes back into the economy, mm-hmm. which is all these fucking right-wingers talk about as Well, it's got to go back in the economy. Well, right. spend it all. But when you die, kids are out. You can't, I love that you idea. You can't give them That'd shit when they uh, Bill Gates' father is a big uh, proponent of this. Um, he's one that actually made it um big news initially he's a he's a big believer in that these super wealthy especially the billionaires Uh, like his son should be able to leave billions to their offspring it's the worst thing for the economy i only i not only think that i mean that's kind of um that's definitely the big picture of it i think if you get to know um children of extremely wealthy Mm -hmm. people or just and or grown-ups of extremely wealthy um of their parents you find that I think a lot of times the ones that I've met that are extremely wealthy, you find that a lot of them are, they have this real lack of a sense of accomplishment because mm-hmm. they go they go through life, the life that you describe with all these advantages, and then they're adults. They were, they've just had, you know, eight, nine figures net worth. And it's like, yeah, you know, I bought these five houses and I got boats. And, and you're like, and then you see that they're like, yeah, I, I'm going to buy the next thing that comes out, too, because I just don't know what to do with myself. Right. Like, Give those people an opportunity to live a life. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're, you're basically just, uh, you know, compartmentalizing what, you know, 
what their life will be and what the world is out there. And I also, you know, I, to me it feels like um, if you can prep a kid as well as you would have the resources to do, I really do think that same person you're describing could be incredibly influential and could be a real leader. Like my my kids, I think they're very fortunate. You know, they were born white. Yeah, thank That's God. The best. That's the best, right? Yeah. High five. Got some money, uh, intact parents, their health. And my thing with my kids is, no, you're not just going to be good students. You're not just going to be, you know, polite. You're going to be leaders. You're, it's upon people like you who are so fortunate that you go into the world and you put some posi- mm-hmm. positive energy into it. And, uh, and so I think that they wouldn't have that opportunity, say I were successful in my career. They would never really know what it was like to have to work. If you were a multimillionaire? You don't think I'm a multimillionaire? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I've done shows with you. <sighs> Fuck, that goes that whole premise. Your sex life is important, but your schedule is busy. You don't have the time to go to a doctor's office to get treated for your erectile dysfunction. Through Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. Hims is changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment, options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and 100% online. No uncomfortable doctor's visits. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash YMH. That's H-I-M-S dot com slash YMH for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash YMH. Hardmints are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. I do think the rich kids I grew up with, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley. Oh. Yeah. Amongst like celebrity kids, like people with real fuck you, showbiz money, yeah. doctor money, mm-hmm. like all kinds of money. I grew up in a two bedroom apartment in Tarzana. Like, oh, I did no. not come. It was fine. Princess. No, it was good. No, it wasn't fine. Your dad was aloof and your mother was crazy. <laughs> Her but, dad was no, my dad's chaos. awesome. Mm. I get oh, really? Little, yeah, crush your dad was still it. Yeah, he's oh, a he's real playboy. Good, good, good looking, looking Eastern European, charismatic. Dude. He's a he's a business owner. You ever walk in on him? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Ouch. come on. How Party old? Party in the eighties. How old? <laughs> uh, you know, formative, third grade, maybe, maybe around there. Naked ass pumping. Sure. You never watched your. Oh, you never watched no, your parents. You never no, saw your parents. Catholics. Catholics, you, no how about way. You, Tommy? No. Charlie uh, and Top Dog, never? They, they have a story of when I was very young walking in, but it's uh, literally not accessible. I, I blocked it out. Like, I, I don't recall it. I really don't recall it. I was probably... <sighs> do, you, do you recall, did he see you? And yeah, you and then in? he yelled, get out. Yeah, like, that's what parents... Get out. Look, my parents are way more, I think, hard... Well, no, you had hard parents that beat my parents didn't beat me but they're like i'd rather tough. they beat me than fuck in front of me <laughs> <laughs> they didn't fuck he didn't like fuck in front of me like he i strokes, walked in cup, one or two strokes Never. one and a half strokes <laughs> after he saw you right get out of here. right right yeah <laughs> get out of here throw me that towel get out of here deep in this pussy get out of here right how dare you guys 
<laughs> I was going to make a point that mm. the wealthiest <laughs> kids were A, the laziest that I grew up around. <laughs> Jews! Jews! B. What are you, fucking Fred Norris? What? I can't oh, play yeah. a drum? No. Why? I, it's ridiculous. It's just not the spirit of a podcast. <laughs> oh, Dude, you've never heard this podcast. No, this is the most talking we've ever done. We haven't even done our show. Yeah, we didn't intro do intro yet. anything. But this is so yeah, good. That, why would you do no, something that's else? Why? Why, that's why, why are you bothering me right now? Well, why you just drop doing? in a stupid fucking. What do you? What do you put in like? Oh, that's a not crazy even. whistle and a fart. No, yeah, 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 yeah. You want to hear the no fart? Yeah, do the fart. We got all kinds of. There's not a. There's actually not a fart one. There's. Well, you know what there is. If I had noise, I'd be the only one I'd have. There's the the all aboard. There's that. Do you talk yeah. about do you talk about bowel movements with your wife? With her? Yeah. Yeah. You do. Yeah. You guys oh, are open. Very, what about farts? Very, very, yes. I like this. I like this. Because right. uh, I, I think that I don't like it when people hold that in. I think couples who hold in farts hold in secrets. So judgy. It's a lie. It's a fucking lie. How do you live with somebody and have real intimacy and then withhold? Well, that I think stuff? it was uh Kierkegaard said that okay. uh, all kitsch, all bad art mm-hmm. comes from the denial of the existence of shit. <laughs> Did he really? How do you make art when you when you won't? I don't understand anything else that guy said. That was right. pretty good. Yeah, but he could be quotable. True. I knitted it into a throw pillow. <laughs> Can I play another drop? Do you poo in yeah. front of your wife? She, she does in, in front of me, and that actually bothers me. She's yeah. a little too relaxed. Too and here's much. the crazy thing: when she takes a dump, she crosses her legs. Oh, stars. that's a lady. That is a lady. Really? Yep. Now, how does that? How let does me that see work? how that feels to. Does that help her? Does that? No, it's just she's comfortable. She she leaves a you know like we have a bathroom that has a toilet with a door that closes, mm-hmm. and she keeps it open, and then just sits there and talks to me, um, and and it makes me. I mean, I'm fine. I'll talk about it. I'll look at it when she's done. You'll look at her brown. I yeah. Does she look at her brown too? Or she makes you look at it because she's afraid. To. She doesn't make me do anything. Okay. But uh, if there it's you there, you enjoy it. There, I'll check it out. Okay. Do you like looking at it? Nope. No. No. Do you show her your browns? I yesterday dropped one down that I called her in to look at because it was so long. Right. Oh, I, hadn't had I like that. I hadn't had a long one in a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah. I've been yeah, having this series of fucking stringy, nasty. Like almost they look fuzzy. Like there's a fuzz on the outside of it. It's so soft. This was like a this was like a cock coming out. Yeah. It was like a long, thick cock came out of my ass, and it felt so good. Yeah. And I called her in, and she wouldn't come in, and I was holding my index fingers apart, like you gotta see it, you gotta oh, see it. Yeah. And it was only because she was running out of the house that she didn't come in. Oh, oh she didn't come in and see she it. She didn't come in. And see oh, it. that's disappointing. <laughs> that's disappointing. Right. Yeah. But it is amazing. I mean, I guess it's the, the, the uh, you got little feelers in your asshole, man. That feels good. Yeah. To poo, to brown. Do you like ass play? No. You Even know, a finger? I, you don't like a finger uh, back there? I tolerate a little pressure, yeah, on the finger. Not more than one knuckle. You work the, you work the uh, manicure, make sure you're not tearing anything up back yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure. Yeah. That's yeah. the key. Yeah. Do you like butt play? Do I? Mm. I don't. Uh, That's a yes. I hesitated. I, when I was a younger man, I I I did. I had a um, I had a woman once was performing oral sex on me, and uh, just went back there, mm-hmm. and I thought I'd be horrified. And you know, there was a moment of like, <laughs> what the fuck, right? But I couldn't believe how quickly that went away, and I just was, you know, like, this is the greatest feeling in the world. Yeah. yeah. And mean, she continued to crank it with her hand while okay. she did that. Yeah. 
What do you call that? Frank, a trombone? Rusty trombone. Rusty trombone. Rusty trombone. I think they have to be from behind you this way to do that. Oh, and exactly. how else? Where else would she be? If well, her she face could be. You, in my ass? You, you, she could be. You could underneath you. You know, like that. <laughs> wait, wait. You pull your legs back. You wait. No. She was using yeah, her you hand could. on your peanut and then finger and butthole. No face. She was no, eating no, no, his no. ass. She was oh, blowing me this whole time. I thought you had a finger in there. It went down. You know how? You know how you have a crease. You know how in your taint there's a there's a crease. It mm-hmm. runs down the center of it. Yes, is that amazing? It's the yeah. only crease in your body. I don't. I, have I always that. think that, like, I used to think when I was little that like God made us, and that's where He sewed us up. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's the one mistake, and He hid it down there. But she, uh, but the man's testicles, your, your ball sack has mm-hmm. that same crease. Mine does. Yeah. Your. Huh. Her scrotum has the same. Your crease. testicles. Yeah. You have testicles. W- women don't have the taint crease. I don't. I don't. Do I have a taint crease? I don't really look at your taint. I don't know. I'm always just trying to get. Do you guys want to go true. inside and come back and tell me? <laughs> I don't. Uh, I I'll don't do a tight five. <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys are finding out tonight after I leave. We'll look at your taint. Of course. Sure. You've seen it. You've I, seen I, my I don't know taint. Why you're pretending. Right? Here's the thing. I would like to. Pleasure my husband uh, with a finger or a mouth part. But I'm so afraid, Greg, because he's very hairy and it's very hot and rainforesty. You know, like I go, I graze his butt like a little and I get so afraid because I I feel like I don't know if something's going to leap out or if it's like hot and brown or something. I don't know. But you, I would imagine you take a shower first. Right. But the shower... (laughs) I don't know. I feel like it's still so hot and the heat comes off of him. You can't, yeah, a little me. water and soap can't undo. Yeah, the brown that comes out. Because I just, I hear his dumps through the door. I don't, yeah. we don't look at each other. <laughs> right. But my, my husband's browns are so violent. Like one time, it's even in his act now, he was making a brown and I could hear it from the living room. Yeah. You've seen the setup, right? Yeah. And I could hear it, and it sounded so violent that when he came out, I was like, should we go to the hospital? Because mm-hmm. I think something's wrong. And right. he's like, what do you mean? This is a normal dump for me. Right. That's why I'm afraid of it. It's almost like in Beauty and the Beast when she walks in and he's eating, and he's eating like a, a fucking goat, and right. he's ripping it apart, and there's blood, <laughs> and she can never kiss him again right. after that. <laughs> I so guess you're the beast in that scenario. It's pretty much that, yeah. yeah. That's but really it is difficult. Analogy. I could imagine just looking at you that your asshole is <laughs> so very, hairy. very hairy. <laughs> just from looking hot. at me, oh, well, because so you're a hot. you're a thick guy. You're Dick. you're you you're hairy, yeah. meaty, and uh, you know yeah. you um. Look, I, here's husky. the thing. I'll be honest with you. I don't. I've gone through life not expecting my ass to get a lot of play. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just something that. Well, the first time she did it, though, were you pleased or? I haven't out? done it. I haven't done it. You haven't done it. I won't do it. I'm oh, afraid. Oh, you grazed. I've yeah, grazed, grazed it. I've I played last... the ideas. I've t- uh, touched around. Yeah. I can't. I've had it done. I'm scared. I've had it done. My wow. younger revelation. Days. Yeah. You didn't, didn't know that. that. Yeah. I didn't know that. I've had it done. My younger been together. Days. How many? Was years? it uh, uh, like a? Because um, what's funny is you know when you're young, like you get to. You get to first base, like you make out and you tell right. your friends, and then like second base is like exactly two months later. Yeah. And then you finger her, but it's like with her pants on. And yeah. but like when you get to her to a girl putting her face on your asshole, like mm. was that following the other stages? It was the first time we ever hooked up. Are you kidding? Wow. That was a prostitute. Death. It was not a prostitute. It was In not Peru? a prostitute. When you were thirteen? Walk no. us through the evening. How yeah. did you meet her? Yeah. Um I met her uh, at oh a bar. My God. I'm gonna be In ill. 
in uh, you know we're married, right, Greg? L.A. This yeah, guy and me? Okay. I'm trying to help your marriage. Yeah. Well, yeah. I doubt that in L.A. Yeah, and uh, you I mean, meet her in a it was, bar. It was, fr- it was actually she was friends of a friend of mine. Okay, and then um, let me figure this out. No. Someone we're currently friends with? No, not okay. you would never ever. You've never I met know him. Who it is? You have so, no idea. So you go back to your apartment with her, her place, her place, yep. and you yeah. start fooling around. Yep. And uh, you you go downtown on her first. Um, I just she... got the chills from being sick. Yeah. <laughs> she uh, let, me, let me see. She went down first. Actually, she went down first. And while she was what? down there, yeah, she took a leg and threw it over. Or how did she get her face down? <laughs> yeah, good question, she, uh, Greg. Look at you. She, just, she go Roman Greco. She uh, <laughs> she was very suggestive with the way that she pushed my legs up. Are you kidding yeah. me? She like, did the baby. Yeah, the baby move. <laughs> oh God! What a whore! And then uh, and then weren't your balls hanging over the entrance? Uh, yeah, she pushed him to the side. She yeah, moved him over she, to the side. She was oh really in charge. God. And then face, and then I'm be uh, sick. finger, well, way inside, <laughs> where I jumped. And then I was, it was kind of thing where I was like, oh, I guess this is. Oh, all really? Right. You jumped because right. someone yeah. shoved a whole finger in your yeah. butthole? Yeah, but then she continued to blow and finger. Oh my! And then also God. fingered my ass while we were doing it. Did the mouth go on your ass? Um. Yeah, but she didn't. She didn't like spend a lot of time there. It was just but more. It sounds like, like she had an agenda. Yeah, yeah. that's the, because it's one thing if like you know it's she a was hot, going after sweaty night liked, yeah. and you're grabbing someone's ass and your finger accidentally grazes sure. and then you start thinking, oh, I'm drunk. What? But this sounds like she brought you home and blew you just so she could put her I, finger in your I dirty ass. I was right. much thinner back then too, okay. just to give so just for a visual. And then, were you thinking at the time when your last bowel movement had been, and how? Thank you. Oh, I was going to ask. Well, you would. Uh, I oh, no, I, I got distracted pressure. that. What happened with though? What I did remember was that um, m- later on in the sex, she demanded a finger in her ass. She wanted to reciprocate. Yeah, she wanted to reciprocate. So, I mean, do you think that was her intention? Like, I'm going to do this to you, and then you got to give it back. Do she wanted the finger. The it, it was either that. It could have been a, a face-saving, excuse the pun, where she now has done it to you. Uh-huh. So for her to run into you at the bagel shop, she you got to have blood on your hands, so you got to have shit on your finger as well. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. needed you to do it. She didn't want you to do it, but she needed you to do it. You Like, like you know how in the mob they make you kill somebody or in mm-hmm. a gang? Yeah. Because then you've all killed somebody. Do you this know what was like I, getting beaten into her little asshole in, gang. It was, it was. And you know what I remember distinctly about that more than anything? I remember her, I remember laying in bed, and I remember her going to the bathroom. I remember the sink running. Like, you know, you, you, you pick, remember little Post details. Sex. Yes, I remember her in the sink, and I just remember falling asleep. And the next morning when I got up, my finger was covered in dry shit. Oh, stop the finger, I sw- it. I remember it like what, it was You don't yesterday. wash your hands or I your didn't. face or your brush your teeth before you go to bed? Not when I was not that. at her house. Yeah, I, I just oh, passed right. out. So I remember oh. I woke up and I was like, holy shit. And there was dried shit all over my the finger that had been really far up her ass. Did you stick it in her face and like, scream shame? Up. I said, that's your alarm. Yeah. No, I, I was like, oh, I was pretty horrified. I ran. So she up. knew. That's when she... So, in other words, she led you to do it to her, but there's no way she didn't know that her... Because that's a dirty asshole. Yeah. That that means the chamber was... Yeah. She knew was caked. Yeah. She knew. She knew. For sure she knew. She's yeah. a dirty girl. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it reminds me of another girl who... Um, oh, my God, another one. Uh, why do you have to ask about... I didn't ask about the second no, one. No, you led. You know, you held his hand down this path. You encouraged him, and now... The hand has been let... I have let your, go Your the dirty hand. brown hand. Neither of us wants him to tell this next story. Are you sure? No, tell the story. No, I, I no, just... No, no, no. Uh, another girl, uh, what happened? No, the, the, of, of like, of one night, because she always knew people she slept with. Stressed Who? out. Christina. You know why? She always dated you know people why? and slept with people she dated. Do you know why, sir? Uh, I went to Catholic school yeah. after I got kicked out of public school, private, right. uh, Catholic, all girls, mm-hmm. taught by Irish nuns. Yeah. I'm a good girl, okay? I didn't throw it around. I didn't whore it out. I know everybody I've had sexual intercourse with. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't want... I, to have a stranger's feces on your finger, it's, it's, very, not, it's unacceptable it's, to me. It's I weird. think it's felony in a lot of states, actually. Oh. <laughs> Literally. You, you, could, you could have gone to the police department if you were in, like, Texas and held up that finger mm-hmm. and said, uh, we've, we've had a crime here. Get yeah. the CSI asshole on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I remember it's this finger, babe. This oh, one right here. God. The one that your the wedding one, ring wait, is? Yeah, I was going to say. No, this here. <sighs> yeah, isn't it funny, though, that when you finger somebody, so you gross. always use the finger finger? Yeah. As what do you mean? The th- What's the finger? Well, the finger? thumb would really be if you think about the way your vagina is built. Right. The thumb, if you go underhand and you get the thumb in, the knuckle really would be riding on the uh, clitoris the outs- perfectly, right, right, as right. opposed to the middle finger. Now you got a palm concave. Mm-hmm. You got no contact with the clitoris whatsoever. But the thumbnail. That's what. Well, I'm again, thinking, good grooming uh, is is crucial. Wait, so was your when you got your ass eaten by the lady you're talking about? Um, is that the last time that happened? That one, that lady. Amateur. Yeah. Oh, so it's wow. been in the pros too. No, no. Okay. There's no pros. No, I felt like it was cross it off. You know, I think that I would have been so concerned about hygiene. Uh, yeah. During anything like with that. with a stranger, maybe. Yeah, that seems. Have you had him tested? <sighs> Way back the before we got married. The most terrifying Way one back. was when I slept with a girl oh who life. I knew was a runaway, and mm-hmm. I knew she'd had drug problems. This is a true story, too. Because you were her pimp? Uh, no, I mean, like, I met her. We were, I was in North Africa. She was... <laughs> uh, there you just go. Just when the AIDS meter couldn't go higher. <laughs> or Haiti, right? And uh, She was a she Haitian was prostitute. a German punk rock. <laughs> and then, you know, okay, we slept together. No protection. Good. And then... The next day, I, I confronted her. I was, very, I was like, I'm really nervous about what happened. And she was like, and her English was like, so-so. And she was like, nervous? Why nervous? And I was like, you know, because she was like, no, I take, I take medicine for no babies. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's not what I'm nervous about. Mm-hmm. Like, I, want, I, I didn't know how to say, like, I'm nervous that you carry diseases and gave them to me. Mm-hmm. And she was like, no, 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 like, take this, you'll feel better. So she gave me a pill, um... which was actually... Uh, like like a Xanax, like to calm down. Okay, so this chick's she gave me, and then I had loose. sex with her again, before, unprotected, unprotected again. Oh my life! Yeah. No, I did Jesus. make him when we started this was dating. A long time ago. How many partners would you say you've had? Not that many. That's the great uh, more than twenty five. No, less for, for sure. Greg, I've asked him several times for an exact number because I know my exact number because I'm a, a moral Catholic. I'm going to guess your woman. number. I'm not going to. I'm not going to confirm eight, or deny. Eight. I'm not going to confirm or deny on this show. I you just I smiled not. when I said eight. So that means <laughs> well, it was not, eight. I will not confirm or deny. 
Why did you not confirm or deny? But you refuse to tell me an exact I number, don't. and it's so fucking irritating. I've known you for a million well, years. Well, how do you know he knows the exact number? It doesn't sound Who like he's it? the how most you... distinguishing gentleman. I, obviously, right? You know what? Now that you say it like that, I think you're right. Do you, do you even know the exact number? I, I don't. I, I, I know for sure that it's below 25. And I know that you sound like, well, if it's below 25, why don't you know the exact number? It's literally the kind of thing where I'm like, I go through almost none were... Uh, relationships or somebody that I slept with more than a couple times. Many were one. <laughs> God, so, so sad. <laughs> I know. Really? Yeah. So you never got into a nice groove of sex with a woman until you got older. Right, right. So you weren't very... When he met you, he probably wasn't very good. Actually, no. Uh, he was the best, which really? is why I was really into How, him. Where do you yeah. think you picked up the skills? Getting have, his ass eaten by a stranger? No, I think, uh, honestly, this, this sounds, somewhere? I don't know if this sounds completely ridiculous, but I think without, um, you know, I was, we were both fairly young when we met each other, and you can be, I mean, I did have one person that I slept with, although fairly young, for a couple of years, so I, had, I did have that. But then after that, you know, that ended when I was probably 20, right? So you're a young adult, and then between I 20 and 25, I slept with, you know, I don't know, a dozen or so just fucking Sally wagons, and then that was it. Did Were any of them, do you, from what you can remember, mm-hmm. were any of them like disappointed by your performance? <laughs> Honestly, I swear to you, no. I can't. Re- I think the only one where I was, it might have been disappointed, I think she was disappointed that I wanted to talk. Um, that was a girl that picked me up, picked me up at a bar in New York City. What um, were you doing? Your act? <laughs> uh, no, I think she was like her and her friend picked up me and my friend on uh, St. Patrick's Day in New York City. Took us back to their apartments into separate rooms, and I think they were like these two fuck demons are just gonna destroy us, right. and. Sex was just very, eh, fine. And then I was like, I don't remember. I just remember like talking and she was like, we can go to bed now. And I was like, oh, all right. Yeah. Like I'd met her that night two hours earlier. Right. And then. And then you were inside of her body. <laughs> it's normal. I don't yeah. know why this generation thinks that that's like, no, it's, it's not normal. Uh, I'm sorry, which generation? <laughs> you forget that Greg is from the right. The, the, oh, the old the, time. In my day, you could the, get in the twenties um, and thirties. You could get the gout different. from fucking a young lady. <laughs> Wait, what's your? Um, were you just a pussy crushing machine? Yeah, you were. You did a lot. Started of at a very young age. How how young yeah. are we talking? No, I mean not like I learned. It's not that it was that young when I lost my virginity, but the frequency of it after that. I mean, I was probably 15 when I lost my virginity. That's pretty young, man. But then it was like I, I started putting up some pretty big numbers. I was never, I was always a, a quantity over quality guy, though. Or is your number really high? It's pretty high. Is it over 50? Wow. Okay. That's a yes. Um, wow. So over 100? Wow. wow. To me, it was wow. about finding a chick I could hang, hang out with, drink with, have fun. Didn't have to babysit her all night like some other guy is going to swoop in and pick her up. No one's picking her up. She's she's mine. Yeah, yeah. I can go shoot some pool. She she's gonna be standing by the jukebox later. Yeah. And we're gonna have a few laughs. Yeah. And we're gonna have sex. Yeah. And uh and she's got big tits because she's overweight. <laughs> oh that was my that was my play. That's your yeah. wheelhouse. That yeah. was your thing. Absolutely. That's great. But and then were you in a lot of relationships too? I got into monogamous relationships when I got into college, but I cheated I cheated like it was a varsity sport. Really? Yeah. I almost feel like 
I had relationships because the cheating was so much better. Oh, wow. In college. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, really That's what college up. was like. Yeah. Really? Now, how do you reconcile that with your, your Catholic guilt? It was it terrible. If I felt terrible about it. I felt really yeah. guilt-wracked by it. As a matter of fact, like, there's no way I ever could have gotten married if I didn't know 100% that I would never cheat on her. Like, I was so disgusted by cheating and what it felt like that it just, it was like clockwork orange, you know, when they're forced to watch that movie yeah, and yeah. they're nauseated by it. Like, the idea, like, when I'm on the road of, like, is some some fucking skank will flirt with me or something, and I get, like, almost nauseous with the thought. Because you've done it. It's, it's awful. And it's so much to lose. I have so lucky. I have the most amazing wife and great kids, and I can see the rest of my life So, what's happy. the big deal? Just so, throw it away, you know? If a girl was going to put her face in my ass, I think maybe. You think you would? That would probably be the only circumstance. Do you have her number still? Uh, I, I actually don't even remember her name, mm. so I couldn't tell you. You don't wait a minute. You don't even re- you don't. remember the name of the woman that put you up like a little baby and then put her mouth in I her have, butthole? I have code names for the ones, like for ones I remember. I remember the real short girl. Oh I remember God. punk rock girl. I remember the beach girl. I remember dirty Asian. I remember... Uh, what was the short girl's nickname? Short girl, what, what, they little her, Sally. Uh, they called her Shorty Rock. I think because okay. she banged a bunch of black guys too. Mm, great. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. So you got you. You're at 24 with an asterisk. Great. I think so. Great. Something like that. Um. But here's what I want to get into, though. I wanted to ask you this. This is so different from our show, by the way. I feel like you did an old pro move, by the way. You did. You know you did, right? Yeah. You came in here. This is what old fucking pros do. Yeah, they Guys, take over. They do. They make the show. Yeah. Like, that's what they do when they do radio. They're like, I'll come in and I'll make it's the a good show. Move. It's a really good I'm move. It's a strong move. Like it is yeah. a strong move. You, in, you inject yourself into the host, and then the host begins to actually do cell reproduction of you yeah. until it actually eats them from the inside. Yeah. It's really good. Yep. This is not our show, but it's much more interesting right now. Absolutely. But I do want to ask you this because I feel like the times that I have seen you, first of all, you, did you grow up in the city then? Is that where you Just were? Just outside the city. And then did you start stand up there or in Boston? No, I went to college in Boston. Do you? Yep. My sister went to be one of my sisters went to be mm-hmm. you were smart you weren't that much of a fuck up in high school then you had to get Got good the grades. distinguished alumni award from boston youngest person to ever get it and you said your oh, father was yeah. a famous radio broadcaster right. now i know some a little i guess not much but that wasn't um stern's father a radio personality as well right he knew my dad so they knew no. each other right and was his dad well known or no he was, you know, it was, uh, I would imagine it was a union gig back then, I'm pretty sure. And my dad did a lot of commercials, and that's where he knew him from. Okay. And, um, you know, and then Howard knew my dad from, you know, watching him. Like, when Howard came up, he would attack William B. Williams and Gene Clavin and, and, and uh, Imus and all these guys that were big mm-hmm. before he was big, mm-hmm. because that was his M.O. He attacked them, and then yeah. people noticed him. And yeah. So he was pretty. He was pretty mean about my dad. Some of the stuff he said, like my mother to this day, I can't bring up Stern's name. Really? Yeah. Wow. And my and my dad saw what Stern was doing. 
He didn't like it, but he he got what he was doing. Guys that are kind of in it sort of get the radio game, though. Like that, you know, like... Yeah, but it was a different style of radio. It hadn't been done like that before. I think people treated each other with respect. And then, you know, Stern introduced this new style of radio that um, obviously changed the the game. But he was very... When I started doing Stern, uh, he was very respectful about my dad. He And when my dad died, because my dad died pretty young, he, he... eulogized him very beautifully Stern did? Yeah. Oh. He talked about him in a, in a very nice way. And That's nice. He's always been, um, I think he's always kind of looked out for me in a way, Stern. Really? That's nice. my dad, yeah. Now, you started, so you started in Boston, was it right after college or in college? That you started? In college. In college. And then how long out there, do you go to New York after that or do you come here? Yeah, I graduated and I probably spent, I spent like a two years just doing stand-up in Boston. Then I started driving down to the city on like a Sunday mm-hmm. and then coming back to Boston for the weekends. And I did that for probably a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then I moved to New York after that. And how long in school. New York? I was there for eight years. And then here? Then here. Um, cause the thing I think I, and this is definitely probably from, I don't know if you were always like this, but when I see you now, which isn't that often, but I see you every once in a while in clubs out here, is you seem like you use every spot that you do as really a chance to work. What I mean by that is like a lot of comics do spots, and it's kind of like, I'm just going to run this again and again yeah, and again. And you, I feel like, I, every time that I've seen you, you've had like a pen and a paper, and like you'll have, you know, like it just seems like you're, you know, working. Like you're, right. I have this idea, and I'm working it out, or I have this, and, and like... It's good. It's fun. It's good to watch other comics actually work when they're doing spots. Right. Thanks. Yeah. No. I think I I learned a lot from like watching Dave Attell. You know, coming up in New York and seeing that, uh, you know, he he was always he always had, and I saw him often enough that I knew which jokes were brand new, which ones he'd been working on for a month, which ones he, you know, I could see how he cycled material in, mm-hmm. and uh, and I saw that that's the kind of comedy that I you know that I really wanted to do mm-hmm. and. And that, you know, to, for me to go to a club, like, I don't understand why you would go to a club to mail in a set. You know, I'll stay home if I'm not getting paid any money and I got to drive mm-hmm. into town. It's yeah. like, you know, and it's the same thing on the road. If I'm, if I'm doing a set, I've always got a piece of paper in my pocket mm-hmm. with a bunch of, you know, new jokes. I tape every set. I listen to every set still. And um, that to me is like, uh, it's like, I don't know why you would do it other than to do it like that. There's no... Yeah, it's there's, great. There's no, like, I, I don't, um, I get really, really bored and I hate myself if oh, I'm up yeah. there doing a set and I got nothing it's new. The it's the thing that it's like keeps me turning cares. over stuff is nothing more than boredom. Right. Like when people yeah. are like, well, oh, you turn, oh, you did a, you did an hour last year. Like, I'm like, but literally, if you're on the road as much as I'm on the road and you're doing five or six hour sets a week, mm-hmm. week after week. I don't know how, like, I literally go, I just, I stopped doing that joke for no other reason that I can't say it anymore. Right. And so that's, that's why I came up with a new joke. That's so, the thing that does it. Can I ask you this? So you, you record every set, right. like what, on your iPhone or something? Yeah. And then when do you listen to that? If I'm on the road, then I, uh, the next day I get in the bathtub and I um, sit in a hot bath and I listen to the set. Seri- the, are you being serious? Yeah, the notebook. The bath I, is like your place Yeah. To, I just chill, okay, and uh, I write notes on the on the jokes, and then I, um, it depends. It's like a, if I'm I'm at a club for the week, 
usually Thursday night, I really throw a lot at the wall. Like I do mm. tons of new shit and I record it and then I really go through it and I start to, um, I start to like take the whole set and insert stuff into it. And, um, you know, I start to develop, like, I like to work, you know, small to big, you know, take one really good joke and then extend it and then add a, 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 a thought like it. And, you know, I, 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 I wish I could just think of a topic and then write out like 10 pages of notes on a topic and then figure out a bit. But I think for me, it's more like, um, I need the safety of knowing this one joke works and then Mm. I can add to it and then I can build, build, build. And then eventually like once it's a five, six minute bit, then I'm like you, then it's like, okay, I'm, I'm sick of saying it. I've got it. And then yeah. if I'm, and then like I just did a one hour special, then it was like, it was four bits. It was really, four, really, oh wow. But it started as, did jokes. you just, you just did a special, is it like that, isn't out yet? Is that what you mean? No, or? it's coming out on Comedy Central. Great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So where'd it, you do it? Um, actually in the town I grew up in, in Tarrytown, New York, there's this theater built in 1885. Beautiful, like 1200 seat theater with a balcony and uh you know all as as a matter of fact uh you know boardwalk empire yeah Mm -hmm. when they there was a theater scene they shot it there and so um yeah so it was it was very gratifying and it felt like putting that material like good i don't have to do that again and that's the thing is (laughs) now too like you can do you know specials or you can record uh an album or whatever and i think now especially when you're you're in such control of what to do with your stuff, you can literally get it recorded and know that it's down and then like move on to the, and know that it's recorded and you can put it out, control it yourself and you can work on your next hour after that. I mean, look at Stan Hope. I mean, it's incredible. That guy has been doing that for so many years. Oh yeah. And he's just, and it's not forced. This guy just spews out smart, funny shit. And then he has the, the, the sense to record it and put it out and, you know, he's got to be, Double digit albums, right? Probably, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder what one of those royalty checks looks like for Doug Stanhope. <laughs> yeah, that- oh yeah. For people who don't know, you get these checks from just from Sirius XM alone. You can get these pretty massive checks. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice, but I mean, if you're doing eleven albums or whatever, Jesus, I know it's a lot of That's play. That's great. Yeah. Especially yeah. I'm going to I'm going to record when I think it's September and I'm going to do it on my own for the first time cuz Tommy did his on his own. And I like, did yeah. It's such a do you do your own? What? Or do you release through a company? Like for I've CDs? only done one CD in my life. I never wanted I I tried a few times to do it and I always hated it. See, this is what I was going to ask you about recording yourself cuz I the reason I hate <clears throat> I hate doing CDs is cuz it's so final. And I hate listening to myself. Right. And that's my, my self-loathing stuff that's built into me. Yeah. Like, so after a set, I'll take copious notes. I'll remember what I said that worked, and then I'll take notes right after. Yeah. But I so dream of take, like recording the set and then listening to it the next day. But I have such issues with hearing myself. Right. Well, I don't you have know? a problem with, with listening to myself. I think the problem I always had with the CDs was just that... Um, I would record it, and then by the time I had edited it, the bits had changed. Yes. And I felt like they were better, and then the I finality. didn't want it. Yeah. 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 It's so hard. That yeah. definitely. I don't think that if you continue with the bit, then that never changes. Right. Like in other words, yeah. if you kept doing the special you recorded, right. in six months from now, you'd be like, fuck, i got to re-record the special. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you got to stop doing yeah, it. dump the bit. Yeah, and it's funny now, with, um, with the internet, it's like really, um, they don't care 
how good it is. Like it used <laughs> to be, you got a guy like you know Cosby or Carlin or Newhart would put out an album, and it was like this. They gave birth to it. You know, it was this thing that they knew was going to be like their their legacy. And now it's like if you did that, nobody would care. Like, oh, you got to, oh, you got to see what else you got going on. Yeah, I'd be like, no, no, I put out a fucking album. Yeah. like that's yes, important. It's a lot, sure. But now it's like, no. But how many times did you tweet today? And yeah. you know, yes. how many like viral videos did you put out? And uh, did you reply to everybody on Facebook? Like, you don't have time to put out an album. And if you do, like, I have no, I don't think my my one hour special is going to mean anything. I mean, it will to me. Sure. And I think that maybe people that that have seen my stand up and like it will be like, oh, that's great. I, I, I'll I'll watch that. But it's not a life changer. It's not a career changer. Uh, the only thing that really can uh, change you is just doing just doing it a lot, being on the road a lot. Podcasts helps a lot. But yeah. you know, um, there's no um, there's there's no real like huge gain from written from recorded material anymore. I don't think. Yeah, it's just it, I think it's like the the fan base, the people who consume the stuff now. It's just a a content producing consuming society like culture right so like if you're if you do what we do their whole thing is just like give us content give us content so i think the one path you can take as a comic who does specials or records albums is literally keep giving them content you know like uh, well for some people the hard thing is letting go of the quality of it because you can't put it out with that regularity if like I, you know there's days where I like oh I haven't tweeted in three days I should really write a tweet and then I sit there and I, I fucking stare at it and I'm like I don't feel like I'm, yeah. I'm not feeling it I don't yeah. there's no I'm not talking to anybody I, I I'd have to think of a topic and then craft something so it, it and then there's other days where I'll think of like a funny angle on something and then I'll blast out like a dozen tweets in 15 minutes yeah and that feels like a rush yeah but that's not what people want they want it like uh you know seven times a day every, every day. day yeah yeah I can't. Well, you know. I'm I'm with you on that, and I and I also also think that putting the um like as far as the content as stand up album special, the idea that you should do it in a time frame is also ridiculous. I think you should do you should produce content where it's you're happy with the quality with it in whatever time time frame that is. Like in other yeah, words, yeah, I'm sick of people doing the like I'm going to do one every year. It's like, yeah. well, what if you had a bad year? Right, yeah. if you it's just not didn't worked feel, out. Yeah, yeah, I know. Why no, would that, you? Who gives a fuck? If right, it's a year and a half, two years. Yeah, what, don't you want it to be good? I know. Yeah. You look at some bands and they, you know, they'll put out two or three albums in a row, and then it takes them seven years to yeah. do another album, There's and then it comes reason. out, and it's like. You know, you look like Radiohead or something comes out and it fucking blows your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is an exact science here. Yeah, I think it's um, it's trying to become a science because there's so many people that see dollar signs with comedy, yeah. and podcasting and all these things that you know you've got managers and agents and producers telling you that well, you know, you see these young comics and they're so brainwashed. You know, they're mm. all they talk about is the industry and and they they never talk about jokes. They never. Yeah. They never yeah, get excited about a new bit they're doing or anything. And and so it's like, that's always going to, I think the guy that's like, you know, working on those new bits and, and, and excited about performing, like that's always going to, I think, show up as what's good. You know, I, may, you may not make as much money or you may not be as like commercially successful, but you know, I think that that's, those are going to be the people that, that, uh, people really have an experience with when they see. That, that they know they know it feels different when they see somebody like that. Yeah, 
Yeah. But I do think even those dogs have their day. Like, I mean, look at Louis C.K., hmm. who was like is such a stellar comic, and I don't think he put much effort into, I don't know him that well, but he's he's older, like you, like 60, 60 right? Like he, years old, right? You know what I mean? Like, there was a guy that for years people were like, oh, when's that going to pop? And he did, and David Tell, like you said, a great joke writer. Hmm. I don't think it Tell ever, did he ever put, like, effort, <laughs> is he even on Twitter, David Tell? No, I doubt he's, he's just a Twitter. joke guy. He yeah. just cares about jokes, but that's more to what he's saying, though. I oh, think. Am I am I making the wrong point? No, I'm. Yeah, I mean, but I'm, I'm thinking commercial success too. Like those guys have their right. Like I just I want to root for those dudes. Is what I'm trying to right, say. Right, right. <laughs> I think I want there to be a light. I want the I want Kindler to be famous. Oh know? yeah, right. But Kindler doesn't want to be famous. That's the thing that you can't presuppose is what people want. You know, like um. You know, I the older I get, and I'm pretty old. Like mm. I'm, I realize like all the things that maybe frustrated me. I look back and I do a gut check, and I think you didn't want that. You didn't want to be on a sitcom. Like all those auditions, you wasted your time driving to the valley. Yeah. You, didn't, you never wanted that. No, it'd be right. misery. And and there's a part of me that loves stand up so much that like I don't know that I necessarily sabotage other possibilities. But if you really found something you love, like stand up. You're never going to give that passion to something else. Right. right. That's absolutely true. Yeah, that's true. That's my rationalization for having stalled out in the middle of show business. No. What are you talking about? I just sold a show yesterday to yeah. FX. Okay. Did you really? Yep. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you very much. Wonderful. Is this a, um, uh, a show like a. I'm actually creating and um, producing it. Really? For another what guy. The... I know. For that's me? Amazing. Is it it's me? for a guy named Josh Topolsky. He's a big tech guy. He's got this website called The Verge. He gets like 13 million downloads a month. And um, so he had this idea of doing sort of like a tech show, like a daily show kind of thing about the internet. Yeah. So um, he met with a bunch of people and then ended up with me, and we created the show together, and then we pitched it to um, That's great. FX, and they there bought it go. the next day, and we're going to shoot a pilot. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank Wonderful. You. Thank you. There you go. That's show business. See, right. Show right. business. Right. Yeah. 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 What's your advice? Um, how, sh- how should we proceed with our careers? Hmm. I I don't know. What do you want? Um, that, isn't that the biggest That's the question. question. Uh, to quote Heidegger, it's all in the asking of the question, hmm. what your answer will be. So that's right. a good question. Right. What do you want, Tom? I want to um, sell tickets, more tickets, do stand-up a lot more, and not... Fly coach. <laughs> so you want to do what you're doing, but but to a, a broader audience. Yeah. I'd like to do movies, too. I should add, add that. Yeah. Have you done movies? No. What makes you think you want to do them? I've just always wanted to do it. Hmm. Have you taken acting classes? Yeah. But I haven't gone out for much stuff lately. Do you have an agent? Yeah. Well, that's good. They know you want to do movies? Yeah. I should probably push them more, huh? I don't know if you can push them. It's kind of hard. Yeah. It's hard It's hard when you're a stand-up to tell your agent when they've got a stable of guys that are fucking gorgeous and have lived and breathed acting for 15 years. It's true. And you go, yeah, like the way you just said it to me, yeah. oh, and I should also add, I'd like to do movies. Your agent, you know, if know. I'm an agent, I'm, I'm sending the other guys in. So, of course. So mm-hmm. as a stand-up, I think it's almost like you gotta you got to make your make some noise on your own, your own way, and then 
you know, like Louis. All of a sudden, Louis in movies. Woody Allen puts him in a movie. Yeah. So it's tough if you if you. Um, I think it's like anything in life. If you're if it doesn't have your full attention and your engagement, then um, it's not gonna. I don't think it's gonna work. I don't know. Some people happen into it, but then. Maybe that's not the thing that would make you really happy. That's a, that's true. That Could is be. like it seems true. like happiness comes from when you discover something that really you know that you're passionate about, and then you take the gamble of shoring up all your your resources and focusing them on that thing, and it doesn't happen. And then you keep you go, no, fuck you, mm-hmm. no, I'm going to keep showing up. And then finally, it happens. I think that that's the feeling that the human experience really wants. That's the satisfying moment not the guy who like who was the famous story of the act who came out here and he didn't even he had one audition and he got ashton kutcher ashton kutcher his first audition the other guy too the guy that kind of looks like him do you know i'm talking about and he lives in minneapolis no good looking uh ross broccoli ross broccoli (laughs) is that a person yeah um you know i'm talking about prince he, uh, <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore, Josh Hartnett, Hart- Hartnett. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. He's real cute too. Yeah, guy, yeah. similar type. Came on, did an audition, I, and I, I also uh, heard related, like in the in the through the Ashton Kutcher thing that Topher Grace, who was on that '70s show, mm. booked that on his first audition. Cool. I think that um, was it Leonardo DiCaprio, or was it uh, he might have nailed it on his first audition also. Wow. Yeah, and I think Sean Penn. Well, that's a guy you look at and you're like, yeah, that guy's acting is. How is, come he only did one comedy and it was like the greatest comedy of all time? Um, Dead Man Walking. No, he was in. Um, uh, oh, oh, Spicoli. Yeah, right. yeah. Fast Times Original Fast Times Original High. Yeah, yeah. And that was it. Wrapped it up. His yeah. first big breakout role, comedy, and he's, and he's hilarious. He's in hilarious it. in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never does comedy again. He doesn't. I think he doesn't. Clearly, from his choices in movies, and he can do whatever he wants. He must not value that shit as much. You know what I mean? Like he values the meaty, dramatic right. role. Like that's to him is the right. the thing to go after. Sure. He wants to be See, there's an example. He got the comedy. Yeah. And I realized that wasn't the thing. Yeah. What do you want? You know, I'm in limbo because like I think I want the sitcom. I think I want the stuff. And then you're like, I don't really watch sitcoms. Mm. I don't like them. I haven't liked them since the '80s. Since I grew up watching like really good ones, mm-hmm. yeah, I I like this. I I enjoy being myself most of all. I enjoy stand up the most. I absolutely love being a comic. I don't love being away from my home, from my dog as much as I am. Yeah. Like if I could be a comic, oh you, well the dog first and then you. Right. But if I could find a way to be a comic where I could like minimize my amount of time out, maybe. And have a better quality of life at home I think right that's, now. That that's, sounds about right. That's sell more tickets, though. That's that formula. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Well, it's sell more tickets, but then have the uh, have the wherewithal to leave some of it on the table. True. You know, you yeah. look at Benson. Benson doesn't go out on the weekends. Yeah. He goes in on a Tuesday and does a four twenty p.m. show. Yeah. And then fucking heads home. Like, yeah. He could be making a lot more money if he wanted to like stick around all week. Yeah, and that's not even to go to a wife. He just doesn't want to be out there, basically, right? I mean, no, that's to go to like Comic Con yeah. or like he'll go he'll go do some other fun shit for no money. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Fucking douche. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so jealous of that guy. Yeah, no, and I I've heard. Um, I mean, from all the clubs that we play. That they're like, yeah, he just came out here, came out on Tuesday, 
sold this place out. Right. I was fucking out of here, man. Right. The I'm like, that's great. I know. I did six fucking shows for this bullshit. Because this, this podcast and stand-up are the two places where you can say and do as you please. You don't get yeah. notes from an executive. You don't get... You don't get that. The stuff. last bastion of free speech. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's why I got into this. So All right. Well, that's good. I mean, I've worked as a writer. I was on Chelsea lately as a writer for mm-hmm. like a minute and a half and okay. I got fired. I wrote on like children's cartoons and shit for okay. years. So I I know what that is. And it's a fucking bummer. Yeah. Know, to sit in the cubicle and like for you. It's just not my spirit. For me, absolutely. Yeah. And for some people, I think it's for a stand-ups, great it's life. Hard. It's yeah. hard. Yeah. My ego doesn't allow me to write jokes for another woman. Right. Like, fuck that. Right. It made me crazy. Uh-huh. But again, you're right. That is a wonderful show business job for many people. Yeah, some people, some people, it's for it's me, the thing they want. Absolutely, yeah. and it's a yeah. good thing. It's fine. You I know a ton of stand up comics that really were really funny, great joke writers, and were miserable. They hated being in front of people, and they're some of the best writers in Hollywood now. Of like course. some of the biggest showrunners I know are guys that were struggling stand ups, and they found this other thing, and they were like, oh. Oh, this is what I wanted. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, I've written on a lot of shows, and have you written on a lot of shows? Oh yeah, I wrote on Lucky Louie. Oh, that's right. And, I uh, fucking love it, and I'm yeah. getting into it now. Yeah, I know. I and, hope I get some residuals. Everybody keeps telling me how <laughs> now they're watching it. Yeah, I go back and I get it, and I fuck. I, I appreciate it so much more now. Yeah, I didn't get it when it came out. I was right. too young a comedian, maybe, and oh, too you're young so a person. Young, right? Uh, I'm like, you know, I'm only in my twenties now. I know. I fucking love that show, man. No, it's a good was show. Great. And um, no, I've written on a million shows. I've been writing for TV for like probably twelve years. You enjoy pretty it much every year. I've, um, I enjoy it at first, and uh, I love having my own coffee mug and That's you know exciting. flirting with a PA and laughing right. in a writer's room and yeah. all the normal shit that people do with jobs. Yeah. And then one day they were like, "Okay, some some fucking uh, PA's going. Okay, we're in the room," and you're like. Mm. I'm being clapped into mm-hmm. a room where I have to sit with other people and I could be in a bathtub listening to my own shit and That's working right. an hour and I it's it's tough to match up but at the same time I get pretty nuts on the road too so I think I've been really fortunate to strike a balance with writing and and doing stand up like 50/50 over mm. the last 12 years or so. Yeah. And then to be able to now sell shows. That's fantastic. Is, it keeps me keep keeps the fun part where you develop the pilot, you write it, you work your ass off for a few months. Yeah. Then it doesn't get picked up and you go back to St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Just as you're getting sick isn't of it. That, uh, isn't right. that the truth? My only, my writing, God I've written damn. on a couple of pilots um, that not, none of them got picked up. Yeah. But I was, right. uh, the fun thing is I enjoyed, because I'm so much road dog, like all the time. Mm. Like they're like, you got this gig, you're in town working on this for like, let's say a month, right? So I'd work on it like a month. And then for the month, I would get in that routine of like, this is fun. I drive to work. I drive home every night. I get to have dinner at home. The whole camaraderie, the working on it and focusing on something, putting your energy into it. And then towards the end, I get like, you know, excited to shoot the thing. And then it would be like, I'm ready to get out on the road again. Yeah. And, then, and then it would also not get picked up. And I'd be like, oh, fine. That's, that's fine. I want to go back out fun. anyways. Yeah. I've managed to get like on so many shows. Well, a lot of shows that made one season. So it's like you get like six months. I've, you know, you have to, you have to earn a certain amount to um, qualify for Writers Guild insurance. Mm-hmm. And for 12 years, I've qualified every year. And yet only two of those years was I writing for the full year. So I've really? managed to get on failed show after failed show <laughs> after not picked up pilot. And sometimes they're selling a script and then 
you know, having to work really hard for a month and write the script and then being done with it. Do but, you enjoy writing scripts? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have ADHD, so I get hyper-focused. I mean, I, I can really get off on just sitting alone in a room and it's a puzzle, you know, mm-hmm. it's a really complicated puzzle and uh, and I just get lost in, in it and then um, and then I, I'm just done. Wow. You know? Yeah. But in... I think that the hard thing is for writing on a staff is that, you know, you you do that show on Friday and then uh, fucking show up on Monday and start mm-hmm. all over again every week. It seems like a kind of a nightmare. Yeah. Unless you're a really even-keeled person who just can show up, who's like a real process uh, person. But here's the difference between like a show business gig and like working at a normal office gig. Because, I you know, I feel like I've obviously done both. Uh, normal... Work environments, like if you're doing working like a nonprofit organization, it's not so fear based. You know, you're not under the constant threat of like, is today the day I get right. fired? Am I, right. uh, someone gonna hate me? Am it's I gonna a fucking environment? Right? Am I yeah. gonna say something that's gonna piss off that guy who's gonna tell that guy, and then right. I'm out? Like, there's not and that the people constant. that last are really the ones that live by that fear. Well, yes, correct. And uh, yes, my policy has always been just I go the opposite direction. I show up late. I'm loud. I'm obnoxious because <laughs> people give you so much credibility. Meanwhile, you may not be getting a fucking joke in the script, but they're like, "Well, this guy, yeah, he's not scared." That's interesting. That's the approach I should have taken. Just don't quite give a, a few fuck. times. Don't give Isn't a fuck. that the truth about everything? And that's everything. the way to be, huh? Right. Yeah. About everything. Well, yeah. We were talking about that, about, remember the we meeting? We just talked about that. I had a, yeah. a big meeting yesterday, Hi. and basically the way that it came about Hi. was uh, I said I was unavailable, and I re- truly was for the times that they were that were proposed. I was like, well, I'm leaving. I'm leaving the, all the dates that you're proposing. And they're like, well, then we need to get you in today. Right. And so then all of a sudden it became priority. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, was- no, it's, it's like um, when you're a New York comic and you come out for meetings. Boy, you'll get eight meetings in a week. But if you live out here, those same eight meetings take all fucking year because you're here. Sure. What are my avails? Uh, I live in Venice. Yeah. And I got a oh, car. You yeah. let me. W- what works for you, sir? Yeah. Yeah. What works for you, Asian guy who's never been funny, for me to pitch my material for your approval? Right. Yeah. And right. then uh, and then it does take, it literally takes all year. At right. the end of the year, they're like, yeah, I remember you. What were you here for? Why did we want to see you? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. No, it's, uh, it's a crazy business, and it's like, it smells fear. Yes. And um, the more you can, uh, we all feel the fear. Yeah. But the more you can... Um, bullshit or i don't think it's bullshit as much as just like when i walk into a comedy club i'm so fucking happy yeah like i'm so happy to see other comics me too and i I feel like that on tv shows like god there's a writer's room full of these funny fucking people and i just that overrides all the fear and all the bullshit and i guess i guess if you just don't think about it too much some people are just really are built for it like you see people some people don't you feel like that like peers or even just people that you've seen and you're like that person knows how to navigate not necessarily you know, that you're comics. a fan of their right. uh <laughs> a fan of a their on show business on that bitch hasn't figured the fuck out joke writing class in a minute <laughs> she but she's she's tremendous at that right like, she's so good at show business yeah. she's not in this for like the emotional payoff the way that some of us are like her mom and dad she doesn't have the same issues that i do going into a right. shrinks cat you know what i mean like she does not do it for validation the way that i do 
Yeah, well, I don't know what her issues. She might have her own. I'm just saying, Mm. do you know what there are for her? I don't know, but I just wish I could channel those issues into like a sitcom, like a deal. No, but what I'm saying is that like she is somebody. Loser. I got to pee really bad. I got to go. Okay. Should we? Sorry. Can you hear What time is it here? Yeah, yeah, he's got to go to his yeah, family. Oh, and, I mean, I know. You're so interesting, though. Yeah, you are. Po- um, quite possibly the best guest we've ever had. Really? Yeah. Um, Hands down. Will you we, come back? Will you come back one absolutely. day? Absolutely. If you come really? back, will you okay. do our show? Like the way that we do it? Um, yeah, if you guys, I'll listen to it. Let me check it out online. What's it's, it called? <laughs> oh my God. It's called Your Mom's House. It's, 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 um, you have an app? We don't have an app. No. Okay. Well, I'll just go to iTunes. Yeah. Like, you, you, you have know. an app? Uh, I do, right. What's it? It's Fitz Dog? Well, my podcast is called Fitz Dog Radio. Yeah, tell and everybody. I, I think the app is just called Fitz Dog Radio or Fitz Dog. And, um, or go to FitzDog.com. Um, well, because I just got into this uh, premium membership thing, and they created a new app, so I had to get rid of my old app. Premium membership for your podcast? Yeah, you can sign up for a premium membership. Oh, I got to uh, talk to you about this. Um, but people can follow you on Twitter at... At Greg Fitz Show. And, um, yeah, check out the uh, the book, the audio book of Dear Mrs. Fitzsimmons. You can get uh, at audible.com or on my website. That's a fun read. Fantastic. Fun listen. Um, go to your mom's house podcast.com. Follow at Christina P at Tom Segura. Thank you very much for listening. And thanks again for doing the show. Thanks, Greg. Greg. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. It's great. Appreciate it. Thank you. Love you, mommies. Hello.